This spring, 72 of the best amateurs in the world were invited to compete in the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And while only one player left as champion, every player in the field treasured their time in Augusta and the experience of a lifetime. These are their magnolia memories. And this is a special presentation from the back of the range. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome back to part two of Magnolia Memories, stories from the 2022 Augusta National Women's Amateur. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. If you missed part one or are looking for part three in this series, you can listen to them both in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start part two of this series by discussing one of the most unforgiving aspects of tournament golf, the cut line. At the Augusta National Women's Amateur, the top 30 players, not the top 30 in ties, just 30 women advanced to the final round. Four women found themselves in a playoff for one spot to determine who would be moving on to play their championship round at Augusta National. One of those players that did not advance but fought all the way to the fourth playoff hole was Amanda Sambeck. Amanda, you've been in playoffs before. You've played in qualifiers before. No stranger, obviously, to the pressure of a sudden death environment. But after days of early mornings, challenging golf, and a long rain delay, how did you feel mentally and emotionally before entering this playoff? The whole week is just grueling, especially with the rain delay. Um, like, you're obviously exhausted after the first day and then having to wait it out, wake up super early and then, like, get the notification that you just got to wait and wait and wait. And there's obviously so much pressure, like, riding on at least my second round. Um, I played pretty well the first the first day, which um, I was obviously really happy about. But, yeah, definitely a lot of pressure, like, especially – to finish only two holes left I didn't play great the second day um just trying to finish with two birdies it's it's a lot like mentally and it was definitely just going through my head like just one or two birdies like coming in and and you might get in a playoff or you might just make it obviously it was really hard but after I finished you know I was disappointed in my second round but I mean it looks pretty good on the leaderboard for my chances at a playoff but once I knew I just headed to the range and just tried to put it in perspective I guess just how hard I had worked to even get into the tournament and just be like grateful for the experience and everything every one of these girls in that playoff I knew wanted it so bad and I mean I wanted it so bad so it was it was definitely hard, but I mean, I'm proud of the way I fought, and I think probably the biggest challenge was afterwards with all my emotions, just trying not to like replay shots that like I could have had and I, I could have done better. Um, so yeah, I mean, just an emotional week um, in general, like coming off of that um, that playoff after making a bogey, just like, it was impossible to hold back the tears. Like, right, right. I mean, just getting the chance to play at Augusta that final round and coming so close and not making it, I mean, it was brutal. 
Well, and this is, you know, you shot 150 for for two rounds, which, you know, coincidentally would have gotten you in last year. You you improved on yeah. your two rounds by, I believe, about three or four shots. And, you know, playing competitive golf, you, you never want to look at leaderboards. You never want to look at cut lines, I should say. You never mm-hmm. want to think, okay, if I can just do this, then that'll get me in, you know, inside the cut line. Is this tournament different in that respect than just about anything else you've ever played in? I mean, can anything prepare you for the fact that, I mean, it's right in front of you, even before you get to the first tee on the first day, you know that if you're one of the 30, you will get to play Augusta National in a competitive environment with the galleries and the roars. How do you even attempt to to prepare yourself even before you tee it up? It's definitely way different than any any other tournament I've ever played in I mean like just the fact of playing a completely different golf course and trying to make the cut just to play a different golf course but now that different golf course is the most notorious the most famous (laughs) the most the most uh, unbelievable golf course with with insane history behind it it's I don't know it's really really tough to to mentally prepare for that um and I feel like I did a pretty good job. I mean, like I said, just putting everything in perspective and um, just getting the invite to Anwa is obviously unbelievable. But I think I can do a better job of mentally preparing if I'm there next year. Um, just like having two previous years under my belt already, I think that'll definitely give me an advantage. But yeah, it's hard. You know, you go from the playoff, which is such a very unique thing. You go from the playoff, you fall short, but then immediately you're whisked off to Augusta National to <laughs> to play your practice round, which is something mm-hmm. that every player in the field earns and should be able to enjoy and appreciate. I know that you had a good time out there, regardless of the fact that mm-hmm. it would be your, your final round of the year at Augusta National. Tell me about that round. You know, how do you, you know, perhaps did you have family or friends or did you need someone to kind of tell you like, hey, um, you know, I know it hurts right now, but look where you get to go. I can't even explain it. But yeah, I was definitely really upset for a little. Um, but I rode in the van to Augusta National with my boyfriend, David Ford, my parents and my golf coach. And like the entire ride, they basically were just like, you fought so hard. You did great. Um, like there's not much else that you could have done differently. Um, and I mean, just have fun, like go out there. You don't have to worry about like what club you're going to hit the next day. You don't have to take notes. You can just soak it all in and enjoy it. And that was definitely very helpful, but yeah, playing that round, um, it was unbelievable. I mean, I played the practice round last year and, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't as close as making the cut last year. So I feel like that was kind of easier for right, me. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I still had a lot of fun. I think I was able to, to recover pretty quickly and just, just enjoy it. Who'd you, who'd you play with in during your practice round? Um, I played with Avery Zweig and a girl, Antonio, from San Diego State, and nice. they both made the cut. And yeah, but it was it was kind of funny, like playing with two people that made the cut, and they were like just stressing out the whole time, <laughs> like like trying to figure out where the pins were gonna be. And I'm just like having a ball, just like hitting shots, and just like 
you know, I mean, obviously it would have been amazing to have that pressure and like sure. know that I was playing the next day, but, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Can you pick out maybe your own personal Anwa moment of this year that you'll carry on and, and kind of remember as something that just sticks in your mind? Honestly, I really lucked out with my caddy. He, his name's Rusty and he like, I usually, I don't know. I don't get super lucky with like, um, local caddies and stuff, sure. but, um, but he was amazing. And like during the, during the playoff or like right after the playoff, he just, one of my favorite moments, he just pulled me aside and was like, I have never caddied for someone that like you could see was like so passionate and like fought so hard and just like gave me a big hug. And like, I'd never felt so close to someone that I like didn't really know. And it was just like really nice to have his support all week. And he was just amazing. Another key person on Team Sandback was her boyfriend, David Ford. David knows what it's like to play at the highest level. He's currently a freshman on the University of North Carolina's men's golf team that is a top 10 ranked team in the country. Himself being a former number one ranked junior amateur, he's clearly comfortable inside the ropes. But what about outside the ropes? David, what was your role that week at the Augusta National Women's Amateur? I'm literally just there to support her the best I can. Um, if that means waking up early, then I'll do that. But um, I mean, walking around Augusta National and being involved in such a such a special event was just cool. And I didn't have any pressure on me, which made it even more fun. <laughs> of course. Now, you mentioned these early calls. I think I remember talking to you a couple of days out there where, shall we say, you were not as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as maybe some other people in, uh, on property. What was your earliest uh, wake-up call? And how quickly did you uh, will you be reminding uh, Amanda of that uh, few, later down the road? Um, I think I woke up once at five, um, and I had to do homework that night. So I, I got to bed pretty late, um, which wasn't fun at all, but <laughs> anything I can do to support her, I, I, I wanted to do it the best I could. Um, so if I was waking up early, then that's what I did. And I didn't mind it at all once I was out there, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, such a special week and, you know, really, as everyone knows, you, you, you got to get through those first two rounds of champions retreat to get to that competitive round at Augusta national. Uh, she played really solid golf, but then it becomes apparent that, uh, she's going to be entering this playoff, this four for one playoff. Um, whenever I see you at amateur events, whether you're playing, watching, whatever, always in high care carefree spirits, how are you dealing with, I mean, watching her in this pressure cooker of a playoff, knowing what's at stake? Um, I think it was actually really good for, for my golf game as well. Um, and like approaching it from that standpoint, just from like, as if I were the hit, hitting the shots, um, right. and getting myself mentally prepared for like expecting everything to go in, but not being phased if it misses. Um, and that's kind of, I, I worked on that the entire tournament. That's basically how I got better that week. Um, but like using, having that, um, mindset when she was in that playoff, especially was, was really key for me managing emotions, um, and, and staying positive through it all. Cause if, if I was upset or angry when she finished or, or anything like that, um, that would be like, that would be the worst possible thing to do. So I think, having the mindset of staying positive and managing it as if I were playing um, was really key just for myself as a spectator. 
That's interesting. So basically, you're trying to mirror and provide, you know, if Amanda catches your eye when she's walking off the first playoff hole to the second tee, you're trying to portray confidence and and real and just a relaxed mirror for her to look at so that she's not looking at you saying, oh, my gosh, he's freaking out. So maybe I should freak out. So you're trying to portray something for her to look at. Yeah, exactly. I think the the biggest thing I tried to do all week was smile a lot. Um, and be happy that I was out there and show her that I was just happy to right. be there. Um, and just really fortunate to be at a course like that, not necessarily watching golf, but just like being a part of that event was what truly mattered to me. And the fact that I got to support her was amazing. And that's kind of all I wanted her to see. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's really smart. Now I, I was there last year, um, at the U S junior amateur at uh, country club of North Carolina, Amanda was catting for you there and I remember this, you know, just, I mean, really great picture of you two where she's consoling you after your loss on the 18th hole, which is ultimately the end of your junior amateur career. Now the tables are, have turned. You've got to kind of be there for her because she, you know, you know, eventually, you know, does not get through the playoff. And there's just this, you know, crazy whirlwind of emotions where, you know, lowest of lows, and then you, you have to try and get you got to kind of snap out of it as, as, you know, cruel as, as, you know, uh, cold as that may sound, you got to snap out of it just for the simple fact that you don't want to be miserable playing Augusta national. So what was that trip like in, in the bus ride over um, to Augusta national after, you know, she's, you know, been crushed and, or she's feeling crushed after losing uh, that playoff. It's hard to, to stay positive after you lose a playoff like that um, and a playoff of that magnitude. But um, I think the the best part about it was knowing that she was going to play Augusta National. Like there was there was no other thing, there's no other golf course that she could play um, that would have made her feel as happy as she did at at Augusta. Um, and I think the fact that she knew that she was an hour after she missed the playoffs, she was going to play Augusta and she was going to hang out stress free and literally do anything she wanted on the course there. Um, and I think the fact that she had that was ultimately what what even made her smile at all um but i know how it feels to lose like that and i think the fact that she had such a relaxing a relaxing event and a relaxing time planned already um to play augusta right after the playoff was huge um because i know if i if i had that at some at some of my losses it would have it definitely would have helped me a lot to manage it but um i think the fact that they were playing augusta was the biggest thing that made her smile that's a great way to handle it and great perspective to have and for me one of the more (laughs) one of the funnier moments uh of my experience at the anwa was you know my first time getting on property at augusta national i go sit in the bleachers there um at at the practice facility and it's it's fairly empty at that moment but there's amanda hitting balls kind of getting into the into the field and into the moment of about to play in Gus National. And there you are right next to her, waving at me. And your your badge, you know, my badge said press, other people says, you know, you know, uh, caddy and and friends and all yours says player coach. How did you pull I mean, come on, man. How did you pull that off? Player coach. I mean, what what kind of smoke and mirrors was that? Yeah, I, I guess her parents did that. Um, <laughs> they were able to put me as, they put her dad as caddy and then her mom as designated guest and then myself as instructor. And I wasn't involved with any 
any specifics of what badge I would get. Um, You're in charge or, of morale. Or, you were in charge of morale. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't, I didn't care. Whatever they could give me was, was whatever I wanted, but I was really, really fortunate to be able to not walk inside the ropes on the course, but um, walk on the range and stuff. And so I think the fact that I was labeled as instructor, um, I was emotional support. That was my job as instructor, but I was really blessed to be able to walk inside the ropes on the range. So when you're there on the range, I mean, obviously you're there to support her, but you, you understand what that day is. It's a nice cherry on top practice round. Uh, no need to start walking off yardages, no need to strategize. You know, she, as she said, she can just kind of hit and have fun. When you're out there walking the course, now you're a lefty, and a lot of lefties had have had success in the Masters, you know, Phil and, and Mike Weir and Bubba. And I mean, you know, there's, are you walking and watching her game or are you looking at Augusta National thinking, all right, I need to take some mental notes here because this is where I want to play someday. How did you enjoy the day? Yeah, I think uh, when you're at Augusta, it's everyone there, everyone on property is just looking at the course mainly um, and just how amazing it is. So I think I was, I did a lot of that. I got to see it last year in 2021, but um, I was injured then. So seeing it now when I, when I was able to play, um, when I was able to like come fresh off a few tournaments, um, it definitely, my mind was a lot sharper this time around. And it, it, it made me look at the course as if I was going to play it uh, as opposed to last year where I was kind of just watching, but I definitely, I don't know. I've seen the place a lot in person now in the last year. Um, and I feel like this, this time specifically, I was kind of scouting it out more than last time, but, um, the main thing was enjoying it. Even if I was looking at how to hit a cut on hole 13, um, I was just enjoying the beauty of it mainly. And, um, you're obviously trying to impress upon Amanda how important it is for her to qualify for this next year, because really that's you, that way you can plan, plan your experience. I mean, really your, your ability to get there. I mean, you can get there if, if you uh, have success in the U S amateur, but this is two chances you have to get back to Augusta national and part of it's riding on her. So, I mean, you gotta kind of egg her on a little bit to kind of, you know, get there next year. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling her every day and telling her to, <laughs> practice hard because i need to be there no i'm 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 banking on the fact that me winning usm will get me in um in exactly one year from now so i'm not putting any pressure on her but <laughs> putting all the pressure on myself hopefully knowing david as well as i do that that is exactly how he feels about his chances at the u.s amateur this summer and after amanda's third place tie at the accs well i think she has a great chance to return to the anwa next year most players are like Amanda and will be working towards that goal of another crack at Augusta National. One player in the field won't be returning because she has finally reached her goal of playing the final round at Augusta National and has now joined the professional ranks. There weren't many players in the field with a higher profile than Alexa Pano. She is a former child prodigy that has already played in an LPGA Tour event and a U.S. Women's Open, but while she had plenty of experience to draw from, that unforgiving cut line still hung in the balance as it did for every player in the field. Alexa, how nerve-wracking was it to conquer Champions Retreat to make it to the final round at Augusta National? Yeah, I definitely tried not to let myself think about it or put too much pressure on myself, but 
especially after I finished, I was like, wow, that like I really needed to accomplish that Um, just for myself, especially having it been my third year. I like really needed to get that done. But um, I think I definitely felt nervous on Champions Retreat because that golf course is just so difficult and you can be playing great and still have so many things go wrong out there. Um, that kind of, when I got to Augusta, I felt super freed up and just really enjoyed the day, but was definitely feeling a little bit of nerves that, um, morning after the rain delay at Augusta or at champions retreat. That golf course is not friendly when you're trying just to get it into the house and just, you know, there's no such thing as just two putt and get out of here, uh, on those greens. No. <laughs> yeah. There was not a single break on that golf course. And, um, I, my goal going out the next morning was to just make eight pars and I ended up going bogey free, which was better than I could have hoped for. It was that back nine's brutal and there's not a single hole where you can just kind of take a break and think it's easy. Every hole is requiring your full attention. Now you mentioned the rain delay and obviously this, this year's championship, there was that gosh, must've been six, seven hour rain delay uh, the morning of the second round where you know, everyone has to try and find something to do. You don't want to hit too many balls. You don't want to stretch too much. You don't want to go back to sleep. You have to find all these different things to keep busy. Uh, what did you do during the during the um, the rain delay? I mean, this is kind of something that affected everyone. But now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been an interesting way for you to kind of reconnect with old friends and maybe extend your your last amateur tournament a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a weird morning for sure. I accidentally woke up far too early um <laughs> and was just sitting around and doing nothing as we continued to get text messages that everything was getting pushed back and yep. then around 10 30 i think i got scared that they were going to maybe do a shotgun so i decided to head over to the course um and on my way to the course our bus actually broke down so we had to swap buses um <laughs> As the previous one was smoking, which was a little freaky. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and then when I finally got there, it was absolutely downpouring. So I kind of knew nothing was going on. And me, Mega, Anna spent quite a bit of time in the locker room, um, just hanging out, made some TikToks, weird stuff. But of course, um, if, if, then- Mega, if Mega Gane is involved. <laughs> There will be a TikTok made. So this is... this Oh, is, 100%. Yeah, this is me not being shocked, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and then I... As soon as I opened up the practice facilities, I was one of the first people out there because, again, I was nervous there was going to be a shotgun, something right. was going to happen, and then someone walks up to me with a paper, and I'm not teeing off till 4.48, and that's in three and a half hours. And I was like, oh, that's that's really not ideal. So I packed everything up once again, and I headed back to the locker room. And um, there was quite a few girls in there who all had kind of similar tea times to me. And it was just kind of like a waiting game to finally yeah. get out there. Left me with my thoughts of Champions Retreat for quite a while. Um, and that afternoon definitely was my sloppiest golf of the week. I was really not happy with how I played. But um, after I got done the next morning it kind of was like can I really blame myself I had been up since 5 a.m didn't get done golfing until pitch black dark at 8 30 and not back to the hotel till 9 30 like 
that was a really long day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even like really process how long I had been awake or how long I'd just been sitting around until like after I sat back and thought about it. So I think everyone's goal that day was just to survive. And it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the, you know, going to the range as soon as it opened. Cause I, I think I was actually there and it was, it was funny. It kind of looked like, you know, a crowd lining up outside of a Target or a Walmart right before Black <laughs> Friday, because I've never yeah. seen that. But caddies and players, like at least three or four deep, as soon as someone opened the ropes, they all rush in and start hitting balls. So I'll remember that moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to, everyone's in the same boat. You got to be there and just kind of, you know, it's a very um, long, long day and you got to stay patient. But mm-hmm. what um, you played in the ANWA three times, there's so many other aspects to this tournament than just the golf and just the fact that you're going to be able to play at Augusta National. There's, I mean, the Berkman's place, the event at Berkman's place was canceled this year, but I know that's been a big hit every single year. There's obviously mm-hmm. the, the chairman's dinner at the club. What is maybe one aspect of this tournament that's different than your other amateur events you've played for, for so long that you're kind of going to miss moving forward? I think I will definitely miss the aspect in every golf tournament that I plan from now on, how Augusta just never leaves a stone unturned. It's insane how they cover every single detail, Um, whether it's making reservations for dinner, the different vans, and just so many things that they think of every little detail. And it's the best I think I've ever been treated at a golf tournament. And wow, that's saying a lot. um, You've played in, you've played everywhere. I mean, I don't know how much is going to measure up to Augusta. I mean, hopefully there's a professional ladies event that I can play there, but I'll forever be jealous of the girls getting to play every year at that event. It's definitely my favorite event. So, And and you've been there for drive, chip, and putt. You're a two-time champion. And I, I would imagine that it must be a pretty cool feeling for you just to see all those the little girls and little boys out there, you know, doing exactly what you did just a handful of years ago and seeing how quickly things have grown. You have to be kind of looking in a time machine as you're seeing these kids do exactly what you did. How much fun is it in your shoes to see how, how drive trim putt has grown? Oh my goodness. I, me and Mega enjoyed going to watch. Not to make you feel like an old lady watching or walking around. Like I remember back in my day, I, I, (laughs) but, but uh, seriously of all people you and, and yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mega Ghani, but for all people, you and Mega must be looking at this and thinking, Oh my gosh, that look, that was us. Yeah. We, we went out and watched that day and it was, it was so much fun just getting to see, like, I can't even imagine myself being that small and experiencing that. And I definitely underestimated how many people were there and how many people just enjoyed watching that. Um, and I, I loved being there so much. I followed this little girl, Autumn, who I've known for a while now. And, um, she's the cutest thing I've ever seen with an amazing golf swing. And I just enjoyed that so much. I, I wish I could be back at that age, but we, Meg and I already agreed we're sending our kids to the direction putt no matter what. <laughs> I don't know if I can make an early wager anywhere on that, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll take your your kids and yeah, we'll, we'll mark me down, place a bet there. Yeah, I, I will be caddying. Nice. Um, so let me random question here: What is more fun for you? For the little girls to come up to you and ask for a picture or an autograph? 
or for you to meet like a master's champion? Is it more fun for you to meet someone that's above you or for you to meet the girls that look up to you? Um, I mean, I don't know if anything would be topping like getting to talk to tiger or someone like that but i i really do enjoy so much getting to meet all of these little kids and the little girls um i mean if i can be an inspiration or anything for them in any sort of way i'm looking to help them in any way that i can and that's getting to speak to all of them at the drive chip and putt was just so much fun and getting to take photos with them it's such an honor for little girls to want to come up to me and yeah, I, I would probably say them coming up to me unless it were like tiger, sure. nothing can top yeah, that. That's, I, sh- I should have left him out of this. That's a, I put you in a bad <laughs> spot. That's my fault. Um, you've, you've played, you know, junior golf at, at every single level, played amateur golf at every single level. Like we said, we talked about, about these kids you're seeing. What is one piece of advice that you could give to whether it's, uh, you know, a, a kid that's getting into the game or parents that are kind of getting into the game as well through their kids. You know, what's a really good piece of advice that you can share, you know, coming from someone that's that's had this incredible journey in junior golf? I guess I'd say just to stay patient with everything. I mean, there's golf such a journey and you're going to have so many ups and downs, whether it's on the parent side of it or like with your kid or even being a kid. It's just staying patient and putting in a lot of hard work, even when things are bad or when things are good. So, um, yeah, golf on the course and no matter what you're doing, it just requires so much patience. And speaking of parents, your dad was on the bag for the final <laughs> round of your amateur. Now to hold it together, Alexa, you'll be okay. <laughs> your dad was on, your dad was on the bag for your final round as an amateur. What were those last couple holes like? Oh, it was the whole walk was just so much fun. I mean, I, I don't think I got truly mad or upset over a single shot that day. Cause I just, I was purely enjoying the moment. And I, I have so many memories that I'll take with me from that day and that entire week. And there's no better way that I could have gone out. I mean, that had been a dream for both of us for so long and to accomplish that was just so much fun. Even if he was in pain the entire day walking that golf course and carrying my clubs, I know I know he enjoyed it just as much. You lighten the bag as much as possible for the last day, don't you? <laughs> yeah, the shin splints that he experienced were not fun, but the walk was still great. While Alexa accomplished her goal of making the cut, it can be a challenge for players to determine the type of goal to set for the week in Augusta. It's unlike any other tournament, so you want to enjoy yourself and everything that comes along with the Anwa, but at the end of the day, it is a tournament, and you are there to compete. And for Megagane, she thrives under the bright lights of the biggest stages in the game. Mega, you were the low amateur at the U.S. Open last year. You played in the final pairing. Setting realistic goals can be a challenge for any player. What was your mindset heading into the Augusta National Women's Amateur? That's a good question. So I think for me personally, um, I guess like when you're, when I was little, like watching the masters, it was such like a out of reach type thing to watch on TV. Cause obviously there's no women's event and, um, it was just a great family time to get together on, you know, master Sunday and watch them at Augusta national. And I, I, in my head, I had it as this huge deal and thinking I would never be there. And then all of a sudden it becomes a reality to play a tournament round there. So um, the expectation and just like, oh my gosh, what's happening is definitely bigger than any other event I played just for that factor because it's at Augusta National. 
And um, it's it was easier the second time around than the first because the first time I was um, just trying to soak it in. But uh, it's a hard course. Everyone in that field knows what's at stake and it is a fantastic test of golf. And it was um, it's a very challenging week, but it's uh, everyone's really happy to be there. And I know you missed the cut this year, didn't advance to play that ch- that championship round at Augusta National. Um, but I know that you played that practice round at Augusta National and uh, shot 68. You had this super clean round, five birdies, no bogeys. And I know it's, or five birdies, one bogey. And I know it's not the same as having the crowds around. But what is it about, you know, Augusta National that I'm guessing, you know, hopefully you're there next year, of course, and, and years after that. What is it about Augusta National that kind of has you thinking, man, if I can just get there, then I can just, you know, you know, open the floodgates and who knows what could happen? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's hard to be in a bad mood when you're at Augusta. <laughs> so and for me, I've, I've always played my best when I'm happy, relaxed and having a good time. And that's pretty much the epitome of any round at Augusta National. So I think once you get there, a lot of the players are more relaxed than they are at champions retreat. And I, the scores reflect that too, obviously, but um, it's a fantastic day that practice round and the actual Saturday of the tournament. So I, I think it's just, you're bound to see good golf on that day from a lot of the amateurs. And something interesting you said to me, I, I believe it was after that practice round day, it, it was, you know, from the outside looking in, I think the casual golf fan that understands that every player regardless of the fact that they make the cut or miss the cut, they get to play around a golf at Augusta national. That's the dream of, of golfers all over the world. And I think perhaps something that gets lost in, in all of that is the fact that you're playing that practice round after you've missed the cut. And you said something to be very interesting that if you are playing this practice round, just happy to be here, then perhaps you don't have the drive and the intensity that is required to be successful in this tournament. I mean, can you kind of reiterate kind of what we spoke about? Yeah, I think you said it in a nicer way than I've said it. Yes, I did. um... Yes, I did, Megan. That's what we do here at the back of the range. We help out the amateurs. Well, you have to understand that we've had this event on our calendar for, you know, months on end now. And you obviously every player sees themselves making the cut, but only 30 of the 70 do. And you know that the round is going to be a given at Augusta. And a lot of these players have already played in this event. So it's not their first time at Augusta national. Um, So, I mean, it is obviously a privilege and a great day when you're playing that round. However, it's almost like kind of, it, it, it definitely stings more that you're doing it the day before you know that, you know, half the field is going to go do it for the real thing tomorrow and you're not going to be there and you know, you're just going to be on the sidelines. So, um, definitely stings, but, uh, that's just the nature of the event. And, um, it, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I was right. Like, I think if it doesn't hurt a little bit, then you're not competitive enough to be there. But I, I definitely think all the players who weren't playing that Saturday, it hurts. Um, but even more so because usually you have that night to sleep on missing the cut and then you wake up and you can, get over it and you're ready for the, the right. next day but here we had the rain delay so i i me personally i had literally gone from missing the cut at about 9 30 in the morning and then teeing off at 11 a.m so there was not a lot of time for me to process what just happened so 
I can't say that I was loving it when I was in the first tee, but once I got out there and started making some birdies, it, it became a good day. Such a very odd situation this year of like heartbreak. And then it, it's, it's such a weird dynamic of you're absolutely crushed. And instead yeah. of, instead of, it's, the, it's a lot of emotions at once. Yeah. You really know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, normally you, you miss the cut or you have a bad day. Uh, you go home, you grab lunch or you, you know, sit on the yeah, couch. Yeah. You can go talk about it. Go talk to your friends, you know, whatever. Now it's and another thing. Yeah. Another complaint I have been is after we did that, they, I didn't get lunch. So I think I might've been hangry, hangry. and upset at the same time oh. when you saw me. So, so that's a bad, that, that's my, it's a bad bad mix but no it's weird it's like you know you, you have a bad day uh let me go talk to some friends have lunch and and in this case uh you'll be fine by the way you need to go play augusta national right now wait a minute, what that just has it's such a crazy crazy combination yeah it is the timing of it is is a little strange but yeah. it's uh they gotta fit it in the week and i'm 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 very grateful that they let the players who missed the cut play that day too. Cause you know, I'll remember that round, especially when I hope to make the cut next year, I can draw back on some of those good shots I had. Yeah. So last year you, I would say maybe people outside of, of, of the world of amateur golf really got to know you. You were the low amateur at the U S women's open. You, you were in the final pairing. Um, you know, we walked together on that final championship day at Augusta national. We saw the crowds and the energy for people that weren't there, for people that just maybe casually glanced and saw it on TV, can you compare the energy and crowd size that you saw at a, at the U.S. Women's Open at Olympic compared to what you saw at the final round of the Augusta National Women's Amateur? Yeah, so um, I, I think, I don't know if I like would answer this question correctly because I don't know the actual ticketing sizes, but sure. um, I know that the Olymp the fans at the Women's Open last year were like COVID crowds, so they weren't at full capacity, but um, it, it felt like it was full capacity to me. And I would say they were fairly comparable. Um, great energy at Olympic. I thought that all the fans were like really true women's golf fans. Right. And then I felt like the fans at Augusta National were... I mean, I can't blame them. Augusta national fans, sure. but you know, also really pleased with the level of play and, you know, everyone was excited to see, um, how the event finished and, you know, everyone was really getting into it there, but I think the crowds were slightly different people, but size wise, I thought they were, uh, kind of the same. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I understand yeah, for an amateur event to have the same as a, the biggest women's major is. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would have expected that. This is obviously not your first time uh, at Augusta National. You're a four-time participant uh, at uh, Drive, Chip, and Putt, which is just crazy. Yeah, that's the most impressive thing on my resume. You and should that, have said that first. That's not, see, now there's other things you have. I'm sure you won like a third <laughs> flight junior girls something yeah. or other when you were nine. Yeah. Um, but no, you were there. <laughs> it was actually the, the girls eight and under. And it was a, uh, yeah, a local tournament. That's pretty good. So I, that. I, I should have covered that. That's my bad. Um, so you, uh, I've, I've seen, I saw a lot of photos of you, uh, on social from, uh, Saturday with, uh, you know, little girls coming up to you and, you know, getting their picture taken with you and, and, you know, players like, uh, you know, Rachel Keene and Rachel Heck, Alexa Pano and go on and on. But, you know, you are really part of this 
legacy of the drive, chip, and putt. I mean, this is not the sole reason they designed that, but they had hoped, obviously, that players from the drive, chip, and putt would eventually, you know, play in the Masters or play in the Augusta National Women's Amateur. You know, you obviously had very special moments this year. Can you tell me about a special moment you had with one of those little girls that came up to you? Yeah, absolutely. I was, um, I, I was, they do it by regions, all the color of the shirts. Sure. So I obviously was rooting for the, the green team because it's the Northeast and that's where I was qualifying from. Right. But um, I became like obsessed with this little girl in the seven and nine. She was, she had a great golf swing. She was adorable. Um, so I was watching her through all the disciplines and then she saw me after uh, she was done and she immediately recognized me. And it was like, it was almost like I became a fan of her throughout the competition. And then I realized uh, she was a fan of me. Uh-huh. And she came over and gave me a huge hug. And I was just like, oh my, like, what, what could I possibly be upset about this weekend? Like, this is, it's the best feeling you can get when um, you realize that someone looks up to you. And uh, it was crazy because I was, I felt like I was just there. And that was one example of it. That one stuck with me. Another player that had a huge summer last year was Jensen Castle. After fighting through a playoff to capture the number 63 seed at the U.S. Women's Amateur, she rolled through the match play bracket to win at Westchester, which also earned her a spot on the 2021 and 2022 U.S. Curtis Cup teams. Jensen, you're a member of the Kentucky women's golf team, and I know that playing in the SEC provides you with valuable experience, but this really has been a meteoric rise for you in the last nine months or so. Could you have imagined playing Anwa without having the experience of the U.S. Women's Amateur and Curtis Cup to draw from? Probably not. I don't. I think the, the biggest takeaway I had from the U.S. Women's Am was more so the confidence that I gained than anything. Going into the uh, going into Augusta, if you don't have a lot of confidence in knowing how big of a stage and how prestigious of an event it is. I think that's really hard to be able to see yourself playing and making it to making it to Augusta when you don't see yourself competing against the top 70 amateurs in the world. So I think the biggest takeaway from the Augusta, I mean, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking and stuff, but like the confidence that I gained knowing that I am capable of winning, I am capable of playing against, you know, number two girl ranked in the world, stuff like that was really big. Did you feel maybe additional pressure being the reigning U.S. Women's Amateur Champion at Augusta National? Um, honestly, no. That thought didn't cross my mind. I'm really glad it didn't because that kind of would be nerve-wracking. That's why we talk uh, after the fact, not before the fact. <laughs> um, I mean, how I think of it is, don't get me wrong, USGA, it's a big event. But at the end of the day, like, it's just an event, you know? I mean, everyone wins. Everyone has good and bad weeks. Um, you know, mine happened to peak... Um, the only event I played all summer and at the biggest event all summer played. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I played well, but everyone has good and bad rounds and they, everyone peaks at different times, whether it be Augusta or smaller college events. Um, so no, I never thought at Augusta, I was like, gosh, you know, I better win this too right. to be the reigning, uh, women's am champ and, you know, to prove prove it um matter of being there was pretty special especially being on the grounds not for only the practice round but making the cut was pretty special and then obviously my teammates came down that had to have been awesome now your your first two rounds couldn't help but notice you're you're paired with a pair of Avery's you have Amari Avery freshman at USC you have Avery Zweig who's kind of I guess 
I mean, she's kind of like Amari Avery 2.0 almost. I mean, Amari Avery was in, in a documentary on Netflix about junior golf almost 10 years ago. And Avery Zweig's kind of following in the same same line as that. What, you know, as someone that's a, you know, you're a junior at Kentucky and you're watching them progress, you're watching them, what they did in junior golf. Avery Zweig's 15 years old. I know you're focused on your own game, but just the state of the women's game pairing, you know, playing right next to those two. What was your takeaway as to, I mean, those are two players that you could easily see them playing in the next two or three women's amateurs. Right. Um, I was really frustrated with my pairing because why would you put me with two Amaris or I mean two Averys when I can't remember someone's name? Um, <laughs> I'm so bad at names and I saw my pairing and I'm like, oh gosh, this is going to be confusing. Sure enough, that second round, we had a seven hour rain delay and you know, everyone's kind of already on edge. We we're trying to get as many holes as we could get in. And I called freaking Amari Avery. Or I called, yeah, I called Mari Avery three times on the back nine. And, I mean, that's so offensive. I mean, no one likes being called the wrong name, especially when you've grown up playing golf for the last four years. Uh-huh. But I was like, what kind of what kind of pairing is this? There's two, one of Mari Avery and then Avery's wig in the whole field, and you put them in the same pairing. Like, are you serious? Other than that part of the, <laughs> the frustration with the pairing and the names, I think it's so cool to see to see how um, the women's game has improved so much. You know, we're we have a 15 year old in the field, and the biggest, I mean, one of the biggest prestigious events, a 15 year old. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, she looks up to us, and I mean, we could be intimidating, but I mean, you would never know that with um, with Avery. <laughs> I'm just called her Mari. No, you're doing uh, you'd fine. You never know that with Avery. <laughs> you would never know that with Avery and even Amara, you know, she, she graduated, um, high school semester early, came into college semester early. So, you know, she, that's a big step. I mean, it didn't bother her coming out winning the first two events on the collegiate level, but I mean, it's just so cool to see where the game is and the, the hands it's in nowadays. Like everyone's playing solid and, you know, and we're motivating the younger generation, um, from like six year olds to 15 year olds. You know what I mean? Like it, it's sporadic everywhere, and it's so cool to see. I, uh, you know, after this, after you just explained the the frustration or the the lack of ability for you to, to remember names, I, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing you're going to handle the fact that Rachel Heck and Rachel Keen are back on the Curtis Cup with you for a second time. I feel that you probably know the difference, and you have their names down pat, right? I do. I, I was lucky enough um, knowing those names a little bit. And also, it's kind of their same names. So, like, more so, I would be on the Curtis Cup team and say Rachel is someone else's name that's not Rachel just because I'm already used to saying Rachel. Sure. So, like, you can say Rachel and they both look, you know. Um, so, that'll be super exciting. <laughs> But I got them separated. I got them down. Pat. Got that down. Okay, perfect. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your caddy. Uh, you got hoop on the bag at, at Augusta National Champions Retreat. One of the, I mean, gosh, talk about someone that really knows his way around that place. Was this possibly one of the best player caddy partnerships you've ever experienced? Yes. Um, he and I were a really good team especially as the week progressed, um, you know, I feel like it's the first day of caddying with a player that you're not used to caddying. It's always kind of bumpy. You know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, he's trying to figure out me cause he's only seen me twice. He's only caddied for me twice ever. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on the week, you know, you want to make the cut and it revolves around the first two rounds at champions retreat. So the first round, you know, he and I, 
we were I was three under through seven or I was three under um through eleven, but made the turn to the front and you know we got into a little trouble, um, and it was more so figuring out like him seeing how I I come back from that right you know like seeing like I don't talk about golf that much like on the golf course so like you know we gotta figure out something to talk about outside of golf you know. And just figuring out the player the first day and the caddy combination was really important for us. But as the week progressed, you know, like, he and I clicked a lot better. You know, he understood what I, like, talk about, like, how I read putts, you know, how I think. You know, I gained more trust in him as the week went on, you know, and we just had a better com- – uh, we clicked better. Um, we didn't – it's not like we started off rough or anything. Right. It was more so just figuring each other out. And, you know, by the end of the week, like, he and I were having so much fun – we at Augusta, you know, we were taking everything in. Me more so than him. You know, he's out there all the time. Um, but it was really cool to see, like, for those, like, for those that don't know, like, I know his son. Like, I grew up with his son, um, playing golf, taking his money, whatever, <laughs> at Lexington Country Club. And so to see, you know, I would never would have thought in a million years that I'd be playing Augusta number one. Number two, that this kid's dad, uh-huh. I would be catting for, you know what I mean? So, like, he's watched my upbringing. You know, he knows a lot of stuff that people don't know just from knowing me for so long. Um, so, it was super cool. You know, we go way back, so it's super cool to have him on the bag. And, you know, he and I are walking down the first fairway. Um, first time he and I ever ca- he caddied for me. And we were talking about of all the people that we grew up knowing and, like, what they're doing now and what's happened. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit of gossip. But... Yeah, the player combination or player caddy combination was pretty solid. It's probably tough to beat. Yeah, and that's actually it's interesting because that's one of the dynamics of of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. That's kind of one of those underlying story, you know, underlying facets where either a player is taking a caddy that they know and that they're friendly with, and perhaps sacrificing some course knowledge, or they're going the other route, taking a caddy with course knowledge, and then sacrificing the relationship and history where you have to kind of learn each other's game and style. So it's another interesting facet yeah. of this championship. No. Yeah. You're totally right. And it's super interesting to see what players have done. Right. I mean, you know I mean, Lamaria Avery, she took her caddy from USC. Like that makes a lot of sense. And it's just interesting to see like what approach players are having, because, you know, I, all I hear is the Augusta caddy say like, whoever has an Augusta caddy the last day, like you're winning, you know what I mean? Like they, they think they can tell who's going to make it to the Augusta based off of who's caddying, which I find extremely impressive. I mean, yeah, it's a little judgmental, but they, they most of the time know, like based on reading of the greens at champions retreat and Augusta for that matter, it's just interesting to see them say like, yeah, you know, if you have Augusta caddy, you have like a 99% chance of winning is what they'll say. Wow. Um, which I mean, it makes sense because like, you know, the first time I ever played Augusta, I had, Kemp on my bag and he's like oh you need to play it here and I'm like yeah right I'm not playing it over there <laughs> and you know sure enough I missed the putt and I should have played it where he did and I'm like okay Jensen like you need to quit being hard-headed you need to trust this guy because <laughs> he knows what he's doing so it's super interesting to see the the routes players take or the, the routes yeah the, play, the route people the players take on whether they bring their own caddy for Augusta or they use Augusta caddy you get this question quite often about playing professionally and I have paid very close attention to your answer because it's always the same. You say, as long as I'm having fun, I'm going to play golf. And it's an excellent answer. 
Um, that being said, there's going to be a lot of young women in the future that will have the opportunity to turn pro before their collegiate eligibility expires. They'll have opportunities to play in a major that's on the same dates as the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Obviously, every player has to do what's best for them. That goes without being said. But how do you possibly explain to, to a player how special it is to play the Augusta National Women's Amateur? If they come up to you with, what do you think I should do? How do you even explain to them, like, you have to play this championship? That's a really, really good question, not going to lie. Especially for me specifically, like, I, I was exempt into the Chevron as well, and I had to make that decision on whether I wanted to play Augusta or not, or if you want to play in an LPGA major. But, you know, what about this big prestigious Augusta event? You know, you could possibly get to play Augusta at the final round on a Saturday. Um, obviously, I did choose Augusta, and I wouldn't have – changed my decision at all because that event is so well run it is so fun you know they yeah it's very centered around golf obviously like you know they had a dinner they had food trucks come to the hotel one night and you know you're out there with a ton of your friends that you haven't seen in so long and you know you're getting food you're going to a food truck and you're getting all these like unhealthy food and then you go sit out and there's late live music and you know sit there enjoy it. And, you know you're just catching up. It's nothing about golf. Right. It's more so just about the friendships, which is so cool. Um, you know, they, and they do more events than just that. So I mean, I think it was so cool just to. I mean, I made a ton of friends that this past week, and obviously I reestablished a lot of the friends that I haven't seen in so long and reconnected. Sure. Um, so I think it's super cool to play in the Augusta over the Chevron just because of the, the girls, you know, you're playing on such a prestigious event, making a ton of friendships that you'll never forget. And then, I mean, you're, you play Augusta, like, come on, like, unfortunately, like there's not an LPGA event that they get to play Augusta. So before this event even came out, like they, the older, like girls that are professional now, they never got to play Augusta. Like this is obviously like the once in a lifetime, lifetime opportunity. Like you might as well take advantage of it. I mean, there's going to be majors that are going to come and go, but when you're playing Augusta, and the possibility of playing on a Saturday with, I mean, they sold 40,000 tickets. I mean, when I teed it up on Wednesday, I didn't think I was going to make the cut. You know, I was definitely going to cherish it. Everyone, everyone wants to talk to me because of the U.S. Women's Am champ. But on Saturday, walking the uh, golf course and seeing how many people were out there, how many young girls were out there, you know, encouraging and the younger generation i mean that is something that you'll never be able to make up or take away from you. i mean it's so special coincidentally the man on the bag for jensen castle at the augusta national women's amateur is kemp hooper a friend of the back of the range for several years now so a lot of mojo activated in that pairing hoop you get one of the more marquee players in the field obviously you know defending united states amateur champion how did you two get paired up Jensen grew up in the Lexington, South Carolina area, and I had a membership there, and my little boy was learning how to play, which is the same age as Jensen, maybe six months younger. So there was a uh, large group of young players there, especially girls, and she was just one of the, uh, the faces we would see most around there, uh, probably from age 12 and up. And I don't know if you know anything about Lexington High School, but they set a national record for 10 or 11 straight state championships. So I've known her since she was 11 or 12. 
So this was put together, and you're going to caddy for her at Augusta National. Now, obviously, these are two courses that, you know, the majority of the players in the field have no experience on. Jensen, this is her first time playing at, at the Anwa. So uh, we'll talk about Augusta National in a minute, but but what did you see out of Champions Retreat um, that that obviously you had to figure out a way to tackle it to move on? Um, you know, what were your thoughts on Champions Retreat and, and how to navigate uh, Jensen around that course? Well, I explained to her that the notoriety was Augusta National, and then you have a course like Champions Retreat. I remember caddying in the uh, U.S. Mid-Am for uh, – Derek Busby that I caddy for most of the summer. The match play was going to be at uh, Charlotte Country Club, but they had a qualifier over at Carolina Country Club. So when that course, the course that doesn't get the main draw, they almost are going to set it up like like Tough Day. And I try to explain to her that this is going to play harder. You really got to think your way around it. And I've seen it. You know, it can change. It's a big golf course. The wind's going to be a problem, and hopefully I can you know, direct her around it properly. And how did you, you know, it's one thing to just talk yardages and talk strategy, but there's also, you know, reading the player. You know, it, you know, is she going to be vocal all the time? Is she going to be somewhat reserved? Do you have to kind of read her personality? How do you, you know, she's a very strong personality. I mean, she's been in this huge run the last nine or 12 months. How do you kind of... I know you've known her since she's like 11 or 12, but have you caddied for her in the past? I never have. I, I wanted to, I, I knew she was going to be successful. She always had that little strut about her. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember when she almost won the PJ junior a couple of years back. And I had a formula with my son to get a shot, a shot and a half better each and every year. And Jensen has gone and done that. Uh, but back to her strong personality, uh, my son said, you know, it might be a good pair because she is very strong minded and it, you know, she'll need somebody to stand up to her and make a call. I, I wouldn't say I did the best at that. And I would, uh, offer a suggestion after she told me what she thought. So I would kind of filter what she thought first. And I did not want to get her too far off that if it was close enough, I would let her run with you know, what she saw because your, your vision out there, the, the way you describe things, um, you know, the, the words can get lost, although they probably mean the same thing. And another odd thing is I'm good at reading grain, which is picking up shades. But And she pointed out, oh, she reminded me that she was uh, actually colorblind. She has trouble picking up uh, certain colors. So, I, you know, I keep pointing here, pointing there, and she goes, I, I see nothing. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah. Yeah, that I actually I did not know that. That's got to be kind of that is very challenging. Um, that is an interesting challenge on grainy grass down here in the, you know, the south. So she can't see when it's darker, lighter. It's just all one big color. That's correct. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let me ask you. Augusta National is. I mean, it's a course that everyone dreams of playing, and you're there with Jensen and also you know the best amateurs in the world. But you've also caddied there for for other types of players. What is maybe something that you try, maybe just kind of a a consistent message that you've tried to communicate to players that you've caddied for at Augusta National that you, you know, use that that um, that methodology at, at Anwa. 
the first thing you need to do is point out the trouble in the fairway and stay away from that. And the, the biggest thing with those greens, you know, I, I play at Palmetto, which is Alistair McKenzie, is that the last thing you want to look at on a green is the flag. you got to identify your safe zone and then arrive there and then work yourself towards towards the flag. And, you know, these modern courses, um, you know, get a golf course that's built basically just to sell home sites that are flat greens and, right. and perfect irrigation. The ball hits on it, stays on it, and, you you know, you, you one or two putt and get out of there. But that, that's not the case on, on a golf course like this or any, probably I would say any pre-1950 course. There were a lot of players that took Augusta National caddies or they – Maybe they took friends or they took, um, you know, family members, you know, brothers, sisters, you know, mothers, you know, all different types of caddy situations. But I know this is kind of a, you know, you have, you're really attached to this answer, I would imagine, being being a caddy that, that works out at Augusta National. But can, just the simple fact of knowledge, of course, knowledge, how much of a factor do you think it is? Is it two strokes, three strokes? Can you possibly quantify the difference between having – and I guess a national caddy versus just someone that's maybe trying to figure it out for the first time. We have some really good caddies out there and, and, um, uh, yeah, we, I'm sure there's a ranking system. I mean, I, you can put a, there's, there's a bunch of us out there, but at least 50 a day go out. I would say that even our not, not the best caddy we have would apply a two stroke advantage and, uh, the, Better caddy, I have a few in mind uh, that they're they can give a, a good player a five shot advantage. Wow, we saw some incredible play out there. I mean, I think the low round of the day was sixty eight. Uh, you know, you're like you said, you're around Jensen a lot. You're around. You saw these players up close and personal. I mean, are you at all surprised at the level of play? Were you even taking a step back and saying, "Wow, they"? And I don't. I mean, in the simple fact that they just don't have the experience out there, is it is it that much more impressive to see players of that caliber shoot those scores on a golf course they've never seen? You know, what was your kind of takeaway from the Anwa experience? I will say, uh, you know, my son being the same age as Jensen and, and struggles with his game, he's very powerful. But I've often said he needs to learn how to play like some of the ladies do because they they position themselves properly and better. And I'm not surprised that the score was lower. I, I, I was setting our, our target score at, say, 67. I am very surprised at how many of them held at 75 and under. You know, it was, it was a tight little bunch there. So the girls that didn't play as well as they probably could have, you know, Jensen won. We, we struggled a little bit. They walked away saying they had a bad day, and that was 73 or 74, right. maybe 75. And to me, that was pretty impressive. Hoop, I know you have plenty of memories to choose from, but is there a special one that sticks out in your mind from that final day with Jensen at Augusta National? I think uh, just Jensen having a large following, and we were catching a little bit of steam on 13, and she struggled with the side hill lies. We go with the, uh, I believe it was the five wood, and she, she really just hits bottom uh, of the club off the neck. And yeah, I'm sure it was just a few seconds, but for those few th seconds, we were both watching that ball on 13, and it felt like forever. And all 
the whole, you know, that, that round was over at that point and it hits hot short of a 13 hits a little bit of a rock on the face, bounces up in the air, runs up there where she's got a 25 foot Eagle putt. And it's just the elation of, uh, going from six to a, a chance at three with all those people cheering and laughing at the same time. I thought that was really pretty cool. And when we teed off on 12, I didn't say much about the crowd behind us, but once she hit the green, I made her stop and turn around before the bridge and just look at what she just accomplished. Cause that's a lot of people, a lot of pressure getting yeah. in front of, but no, I was really proud of her. It was, it was a great experience, which I could have done a little bit better job for well, I think there's a good chance you might have another crack at it next year. What do you think? I'd be surprised if she's not in position for that. And that brings us to the end of part two of the Magnolia Memory Series. But don't worry, the final part of this series is already available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're listening to The Back of the Range for the first time, go check out thebackoftherange.com where you can find other episodes featuring the best players in amateur golf. Thank you to everyone that has participated in the Magnolia Memories, and we'll see you next time here at the back of the range.